0: So let's pray as we look into the book of Genesis this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the folks who are here. Thank you, Lord, that you have called each one of us to be here and that you have something in store for us, Lord. I pray that each of us would be attentive and listen to your Holy Spirit and grasp that nugget of truth, that nugget of hope, that word of encouragement uh, that we need. Lord, let us hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 40, if you brought your Bible, uh, or if you want to open up the Riverridge app, you can connect to a Bible there, or if you don't have that, it'll be on the screen behind me. And so if you haven't been here the last few weeks, uh, or maybe you're a brand new to River Church, we're in this series titled "The Dreamer." And we're looking at the life of Joseph, and we're asking this question week in and week out over the course of this whole series. We're asking this question is, What would my life look like? if I completely trusted God in every aspect and area of my life? What would our lives look like if we trusted God in the good times, if we trusted God in the difficult times? What would it look like if we trusted God in the areas of our lives which are a struggle? And what would it look like if we trusted God in the areas of our lives which seemed to go pretty well for us? Because Joseph had all of those things going on in his life, and he provides a great example of that. And so we're going to pick up with his story in Genesis chapter 40 in just a few minutes. Uh, But I want to share with you something I've been thinking about a little bit this week as it relates to the story, and see if this kind of resonates with you as well. I've been thinking about life and just the conditionalness of which we live life. In other words. We make a lot of our decisions in life based on conditions with somebody else. You know, in one sense, it, you know, at a kind of a basic level, when you go to buy a car, right? That is a conditional relationship. That you will give the person, you know, X number of thousands of dollars, and they're going to give you a car, right? They're, that is not an unconditional relationship. You're not going to give them thousands of dollars, and they're not going to if they don't give you the car. Likewise, they're not going to give you the car unless you give them thousands of dollars or thousands of dollars paid out over 60 months at, you know, 2.1 APR, or whatever that is, right? But there's a conditionalness to that relationship. Or if you have a job, that is a conditional relationship. You will receive a paycheck, but it is upon the condition that you come up, show up for work, and do a decent job right? If you have children, there's a conditional relationship that your kids, if you provide a cell phone to them. So, we provide a cell phone to our kids, but it is not an unconditional cell phone. They need to do the chores that we assign to them, and they need to use their phone in a proper way. So, again, that's a conditionalness to that relationship. So, um, relationships, transactions have conditionalness. Let's take it to another level. How about when we just talk about relationships? Do you put conditions on your relationships with people? You know, one of the things that I talk about a lot when I do premarital counseling with couples is I talk about have an unconditional relationship with your husband or wife. It doesn't work when you say, I'll take out the trash if you do the laundry. I'll meet your romantic needs if you meet my sexual needs. I will do this if you do that. I say to couples all the time, that doesn't work. But yet there are limits to our unconditionalness, so to speak, even in marriage. You know, if one spouse just goes on a total bender in Vegas and you know, all kinds of crazy stuff that happens there and, you know, affair after affair, well, there's a condition to that marriage. It's not unconditional at that point. Or how about with a friendship, right? Are there conditions on your friendships? Well, you say, no, my friendships are unconditional, but if somebody breaks trust, If somebody begins to speak ill of you, if if the same thing happens and you get wounded again and again and again, that relationship then becomes a conditional relationship and not a purely unconditional relationships. And so we have conditions that we place on our relationships. Now I want to transition over and talk about conditional relationship in terms of our relationship with God. Is... Is our relationship with God, is your relationship with God conditional? And I don't mean conditional not with God to us. God's relationship from him to us is unconditional. It is always there. His love for us is always there. But the question I want us to wrestle with is, is your relationship with God conditional on what God does for you? Is there conditions that you put on that? Let me ask a couple questions along those lines. Will I trust God and remain in a relationship with God even when I don't like the circumstances of my life? Or will I trust God and remain in a relationship with God even if he disappoints me with what happens in my life? Or will I do what God wants me to do even when I don't see the purpose in what God asks me to do? Or will I do what God asks me to do even when I don't see how that benefits me those are all questions about the conditionalness of God. Will I trust God even if it means greater hardship or greater difficulty in my life? Will I still trust God and do what God wants me to do? You know, those questions go to this question of how conditional is your relationship with God? Is your relationship with God conditional on whether he meets your needs or is it unconditional? We're going to pick up in Genesis chapter forty today. If you want to turn there, and we're going to talk about the life of Joseph, and we're going to examine this idea of Joseph and his relationship with God, and whether it was conditional or unconditional, based on some different things that went on in his life. If you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, or you're not familiar with the story of Joseph, I'll catch up really, really quickly. Uh, so Joseph was the favored son of Jacob, and Jacob gave him this coat of many colors to show how much he liked Joseph. That made his brothers jealous, plus the fact that Joseph talked about how much his, bro- his dad liked him. So his brothers threw him in a pit and then decided, hey, let's make some money off the kid. And so they sold him into slavery, and they sold him to this traveling caravan that was headed for Egypt. When he arrived in Egypt, a man named Potiphar bought him, and then Joseph rose to power in Potiphar's house and had control over all kinds of different things in his house. Uh, but then J- Potiphar's wife made a pass at Joseph, and Joseph rejected Potiphar's wife. And so she then turned on him and was, he was thrown in jail by Potiphar. And so that's where we pick up the story is that Joseph has had a very full life. If you haven't, if you weren't here the last couple weeks, I encourage you to pick up the stories online or read the stories yourself. There's great stuff in there. But here we are with Joseph in jail and we're picking up in chapter 40, verse one. It says this. It says, sometime after this, the cupbearer, Of the king of Egypt, and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. So we don't know exactly how long the cupbearer. And the uh, baker have been in um, in the prison here. Uh, it could be a couple of you know. It, it, I'm sorry, we don't know how long Joseph is in there. It could be a couple of weeks, couple of months, a couple of years. We're not given a timeline. But it talks about that there is a, a cupbearer and a baker who were put there. And I actually happen to have a picture of the chief baker and the chief uh, cupbearer. So here's the chief baker. So for those of you who aren't familiar, that is Mrs. Patmore from Downton Abbey, and then here's the, che- the cupbearer, there we go, Mr. Carson, right? And so I, um, you know, I've been accused on occasion, just a few times, of using too many sports analogies, and so for all of you, there's a Downton Abbey analogy, and if you don't know who uh, Mrs. Patmore and Mr. Carson are, you're not missing that much, <laughs> although I have watched the whole series. Just kidding, now I've really offended you guys. <laughs> So, at any rate, but here's the thing. As I show you those, um, because, you know, if you're familiar with bakers and cupbearers, or sometimes he is in the Bible, um, this man, depending on translation, is referred to as the butler, is the chief butler, um, that really the position that Mrs. Patmore and uh, Mr. Carson have are much less than what the chief baker and the cupbearer would be in Pharaoh's household. That these were very high positions where they had a lot of authority, a lot of people under them. But the main thing that they had is that they had a lot of trust from Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh trusted these two people implicitly because they were so close to him, they would be key people who would be able to assassinate him or key people that would let assassins or people in the government that would be a threat or a danger to Pharaoh. And so as a result, they were very trusted. Now, we don't know what happened But something happened where they did something wrong or one of them that did something wrong and Pharaoh suspected them of some crime. And so he threw both of them in jail probably to give himself time to figure out who had done it or who hadn't done it and what the situation was. And so he throws both of these people in jail, the cupbearer and the chief baker. And so this is what happens next in verse 5. Says, and one night they both dreamed the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Pharaoh came to them in the morning, he saw, excuse me, when Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with them in custody in the master's house, Why are your faces downcast? So they arrive in prison. And Joseph, who is, has a number of responsibilities in the prison, goes by and he sees them and he sees that they're downcast. He sees that they're sad. And so he asks them this question, he says, why are you sad? What's troubling you? Now, one kind of answer may, for us may be, well, they're in prison. They just got there. Of course, they're sad. Of course, they're downcast. But what I want us to see here, and this is not the main point, but one of the things I love looking at this in the story of Joseph is that Joseph was an amazing leader. Like you could study this story and see how much of a great leader he is because what he does here exemplifies great leadership skills. He walks by and he sees these two men and he sees that they're sad. He sees that their faces are downcast and he asks them why. He notices something that's out of the ordinary and then he takes action and he asks them about it. He knows there's something going on deeper than just these are guys who are in prison and unhappy about being in prison. So he says, What's going on? And this is their answer We have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So he says, Hey, I want you to tell me your dream. Tell me what happened, and I will interpret. I will tell you God's interpretation of your dream. So I uh, woke up on Tuesday morning and I look at my wife and I say to Stacy, I say, I had the weirdest dream last night. I dreamed that our son Ben, who's 12, came into our room, he knocked on the door, and he woke us up and he said, My throat hurts, my throat hurts. And we said, You'll be fine, go back to bed, and we sent him back to bed. And then he comes and he knocks on the door again. And we say, What's wrong? He says, My throat hurts. And we're like, Are you okay? Do you feel sick? Are you gonna throw up? He goes, I don't think so, my throat hurts. And then he turns around, this is in the dream, right, I say to my, I'm saying to my wife, I say, uh, so he turns around, and he starts to go towards the bathroom, and he throws up right on the floor there, right? And then he takes another step, he throws up again, and now he's trying to get to the bathroom quickly, and he slips and he falls, right? And I say, Stacy, I had this weird dream that this happened last night, and she goes, Matt, that wasn't a dream, all of that really happened. I'm like, I'm like oh, yeah, it did, Right? And so, uh, and so it was a dream. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Well, it's not really a dream that means anything because it was reality. And you, by the way, you may be wondering, you know, is my son Ben okay with me telling this story? Um, his comment the next morning was, did you videotape that? That could go viral. Me slip it on my puke. So <laughs> it did not go viral. But at any rate, we didn't videotape it. You know, but we have these dreams. We're like, what does that mean? Or we have things where we wish were dreams. And we go, Why did I have that? Why did that happen? So here's the dream. Here's the, um, he tells him the dream. This is verse, uh, where we we're in verse 9. It says, So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. So he has this dream. This is the cupbearer. He dreams that he has these, there's these three vines, they grow very, very quickly, and then blossoms sprout very quickly, and then grapes sprout very quickly. And then the cupbearer comes, puts them in a cup, and he hands them to Pharaoh. He says to Joseph, What does that dream mean? Here's the interpretation, verse 12. It says, Then Joseph said to him, This is is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly you were his cupbearer. So he says, This is a good dream. What this means is in three days, you are going to be released and you are going to be restored to your position as the cupbearer to the Pharaoh, to the cupbearer to the king of Egypt. It's good news for you. And he says to him then, he says, and also, when you get to Pharaoh, would you remember me to him? Would you remind him, tell him that I was the one that accurately interpreted your dream, and then he will let me out of prison so that I can help interpret his dreams? Would you tell him that for me? So then the baker hears about this. He goes, huh, that sounds like a good dream. Let me tell you my dream. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three little, excuse me, there were three cake baskets on my head. and the uppermost basket, there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and birds will eat The flesh for you, okay. If you're the baker, you've got to be a little disappointed in this, right? It's like, okay, the cupbearer—he's got a great dream; he gets to go be restored to Pharaoh. But for me, like, it's the same, isn't it? Like, there's three baskets, and I'm about bread, and there's three vines, and he's about cups and grapes and stuff, and you know, he gets to go to Pharaoh and off with my head. I don't. What's up with that? I don't really like that dream. He was probably a little bit disappointed in that dream. And there's an interesting thing, and depending on the version of the Bible that you have, but for one of them, it says, and, uh, and Pharaoh will lift up your head to the cupbearer, lift up your head, and to the other one, to the baker, and Pharaoh will lift off your head, right? You want up with your head to the kingdom or off with your head. And so the, the dream is not so favorable to him. So as expected, both dreams came to pass. And here's what it says, verse uh, 20. It says, On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, and he placed the uh, the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the baker, the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. And so it it comes to pass, it comes true that both what happened. Now, do you remember Joseph asked the cupbearer, he said, when you get there, remember me to Pharaoh. Remember, tell him that I interpreted this dream. Would you tell him that for me? But he forgot. Here's what happens. Yet the chief, So it says, verse 22, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Now, I want you to put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Think about Joseph. He has interpreted this dream correctly. The baker is killed. The cupbearer ascends back to his position of having power in Pharaoh's court. And he knows this. And so he's like, all right, I'm getting out of jail. This is great. He's going to tell Pharaoh about it. And a day goes by, and he doesn't hear anything back. He goes, well, maybe he forgot to tell him. He'll remember. Or maybe he told him, but Pharaoh hasn't decided to let me out yet. And then another day goes by, and then a week, and then two weeks, and three weeks, and then a month. And at some point, Joseph is like, this is not happening I'm going to be in prison forever, for the rest of my life. This isn't happening. And so he goes back to what he was doing as far as being the, in charge of the prison and his duties and so forth. And I would imagine that that um, hope of what would happen is fairly devastating for Joseph because he sees a way out, but yet he doesn't get out. So I want us to look at this story, and I want us to examine Joseph's character and life and talk about the unconditionalness of a relationship with God, I heard an interesting phrase this week that I want to share with you. The phrase that I had that I heard this week that I hadn't really heard before is this: the person was talking about a rabbit foot theology. He's saying, "Do you have a rabbit foot theology?" And a rabbit foot, you know, you, a rabbit's foot, which you probably know this, but you rub a rabbit's foot it's supposed to ha- bring you good luck, and then good things happen to you, right? But the question is. Do we sometimes have a rabbit foot theology? A rabbit foot theology is where we do the things that God wants us to do. We think, okay, if I do the right things, if I rub the lucky rabbit's foot that God says to rub, if I do the right things, then things are going to turn out well for me. You know, if I go to church, if I pray, if I tithe, if I serve, if I help people, if I forgive people, if I obey God's commandments, if I do the right things, then God has to do what I want and make my life good and make my life happy. It's kind of a rabbit's foot theology. If I rub the rabbit's foot, if I do what God wants me to do, and you don't come through God, well, then we have a problem. And so we ask questions like this, and we kind of make statements like this that are rabbit's foot theology type of statements. We say, I will follow you as long as life is what I want it to be. Or I will trust you as long as I'm getting what I want out of this life. Or God, I will do what you want me to do so long as I see the benefit to me. Or God, I will do what you want me to do so long as I enjoy doing it. Or so long as I see, enjoy the results from it. But you know, if you look at Joseph and you look at his life, he did all the right things. He trusted God. He bloomed where he was planted. We talked about this last week. That Joseph did all the right things. He honored the people around him. He honored God. But yet life didn't go the way that Joseph wanted his life to go. Because he had an unconditional relationship with God. He said, I will follow you no matter what happens in my life. Joseph didn't have a lucky rabbit's foot theology to him. He didn't say, okay, I did the right thing here. I did the right thing. Now God, bless my life. You have to bless my life. He didn't have that rabbit's foot theology. He had this understanding that I will follow God no matter what, regardless of the circumstances. I want to talk about three truths that we see, and the first one is this, is that Joseph followed God regardless of the circumstances. And we talked about this a little bit last week. I'll just talk briefly about it this morning. But he was sold into slavery. He was wrongly accused of a crime he didn't commit. And I think that those two things, those circumstances, would probably cause most of us to say, if following God gets me this result, I don't think I'm going to follow God because there's no benefit in that if I end up being sold into slavery, if I end up being falsely accused, if I end up in prison and I've done all the right things. I'm not sure I'm going to keep following God through all this because life is not turning out the way that I thought it would turn out. Here's the second truth that flows pretty closely from the first. Is Joseph waited on God regardless of dashed expectations? that he followed God regardless of expectations. And here's what I want us to kind of see with this. And if you're going through difficult circumstances, you know that one of the hardest things is when you get your hopes up, when you think things are getting better, and they don't, and they come crashing down around you. Things, are on the, you know, things were bad, and now they're getting better. And then they go back to bad or they go to worse. And that can be one of the most difficult aspects of life. And that's what Joseph experienced here, that he was in prison. He interpreted this dream. He did what God wanted. He interpreted the dream. He did it right. He got it right. All right, I'm getting out of prison. He's getting his hopes up. And then a day goes by and a week goes by and a month goes by and a year goes by and he doesn't get out. His expectations were dashed. You know, I kind of have a unique situation um, that two of my very best friends' children uh, are facing cancer in a major way. My best friend from high school, James, uh, his son uh, has a very difficult diagnosis of cancer. Um, And then many of you know um, Chad Cobb, who's a great friend of mine, the pastor at River Ridge and Taze Valley. Um, at our Tennessee Valley campus, and his daughter is going through cancer, and it's been struggle after struggle, and things not working. And, and as I talk with them and try and come alongside them and pray for them and encourage them, the thing that both of them talk about that's so difficult is the dashed expectations, that things go well for a couple days or maybe even a week, and then a scan comes back or a sickness sets in or an infection sets in. It's like it's just hard to see God through that, It's almost like I'm just kind of voicing things that I even feel in my own life. Like I'd almost rather not have the hope and just stay where I am because sometimes the dashed hopes are more difficult than just staying kind of in a difficult situation. But we look at Joseph and his life, and he followed God. And I put this this word regardless, regardless of what happens, regardless of the expectations being dashed, regardless of that, that Joseph... Says, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to do what God wants me to do through all of this. Here's the final truth that we see about Joseph is that Joseph told the truth regardless of outcome. Joseph told the truth regardless of the outcome. You know, the we, we look back in this story and he tells the one. You know, they say, "Can you interpret the dreams?" And I wonder what's kind of going through Joseph's mind at this point. If he's going, if he's thinking, you know, I told some dreams to my brothers a number of years ago, and that didn't go so well. They threw me in a pit. I'm not sure I want to do this dream interpretation again. You know. And then he tells the first guy his dream. The cupbearer he says, "You're going to be lifted up, restored to your position." And then the baker comes along. Hey, what's my dream? And uh, this is what I would be tempted to do. I'm just putting myself in this story. I would say to the baker, I'd say, man, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one. Um, I tell you what, I mean, there's three things, a baskets. You know what, let me, let me do this. Let me get back to you in four days and think on this a little bit more, and then I'll tell you what your dream means. That's probably what I would do, right? I'm going to avoid that situation. But he doesn't do that. He goes, here's what it means. And here's why... He told the truth about this dream. Verse 8, second half of verse 8, says this, and Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Please tell them to me. You see, Joseph understood that interpretations belong to God. The, the truth that we share is God's truth. It's God's truth. It's not us making stuff up. We're just saying, this is what God's word says when we share the truth with people. And, you know, even as we step back from this, and you could, I mean, we have, if you're doing the fill-in-the-blank thing, you know, Joseph told the truth even when that regards to the outcomes. But the only thing we could put in there, and I think this is maybe a bigger thing for all of us, is Joseph did the right thing regardless of the outcome. He did the right thing regardless of the outcome. Because I think what we often do is we weigh the outcome in our our minds. We think, okay, if I do what God wants me to do, how is that going to affect my relationships? How is that going to affect my time? How is that going to affect my money? How is that going to affect my plans for the future? That's what we weigh. God wants me to do this, but I'm going to weigh the outcomes to my life. And that's not what Joseph did. He weighed one outcome. Does God want me to do this? That was the litmus test. Does God want me to do this? He wants me to speak the truth and share this dream interpretation. I'm going to do it. Joseph did what was right in God's eyes, regardless of the consequences to himself. And that's the challenge for us as well. You know, some of you this morning may feel like you're in kind of a desperate situation where you're even questioning, is God's love for me unconditional? And you're wondering, do I want to stay in this relationship because I'm, I'm walking with God, but it doesn't seem to be in the direction that I want it to go. And I want to share a word of encouragement to you from the book of Romans. I encourage you just maybe close your eyes and listen to this. Who or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger, or sword, or we could even add in there, or sickness, or financial troubles, or marriage difficulties. No, in all these we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. His love for us is unconditional. And so the question is, will we have an unconditional love and response to him as a result of his love for us? So we'll pick up the story of Joseph next week. Will Joseph get out of prison? Will the cupbearer remember him? Will Joseph ever see his brothers again? What bad thing will happen next in the life of Joseph? So come back next week, and we'll hear the response. Let's pray together.